Yo, what's going on, guys? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded, as we always do during these COVID-19 times. And I got somebody special. I got somebody who I consider to be one of the best unsigned talents in all of the world. But he's Canadian, and I'm Canadian, so already there's the bromance developing. So let me introduce you to the prophet, Jeremy Prophet. Welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, my dude. Oh, George, I'm so glad to be here with you, a fellow Canadian, someone who puts out some top quality content. And man, I think we're going to have an awesome show here together. Um, I'm ready when you are. Let's let's kick this show off and get things done the right way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the first things I got to ask out the gate is obviously this episode is going to be dropping a few days after your five questions. We always try to do a five questions on the Saturday leading up to the interview that we're dropping on the Thursday. So you just sat down with the mini host and you kind of answered one of my first questions. And I knew that you had had battles and fights and wars with Speedball Mike Bailey. And I knew you two were tight, tight as hell. And you answered that question in the five questions. So I got to ask, and I always ask this, you said it to my, we said it to my daughter, the mini host. You said that when it's your friend, you always hit harder. But I don't think anybody's ever asked this question. Has there ever been a point where you may have hit each other harder and it's actually injured? accidentally like to the point where maybe you had cracked a jaw busted a blood vessel maybe broken a nose has anything like that ever gone down with a friend not necessarily Bailey but anybody else that you consider very close to you in this business yeah it actually happened one time um when I was in there with someone else I consider a very good friend and probably one of my biggest rivals uh which is Hannibal Devin Nicholson uh he runs the Hannibal TV for those out there who don't know but if you're watching the show in Canada you probably know who he is because that's one of the top channels that's probably the top channel around um, we had a, what I like to call a bad day at the office one time. Uh, it's a really popular viral kind of clip, um, where I was giving him a leg drop from the second rope outside the ring onto a table. So he's face down on the table. I ascend up to the second rope and I come off with a leg drop, just, you know, Sabu style. Um, unfortunately what people don't realize with leg drops and to any wrestlers out there who are maybe thinking of replicating that same spot, um, the velocity and the trajectory are not exactly the same as when you're doing it, let's say from the top rope into the ring. So I kind of overshot the mark and uh, ended up dropping my, my rather ample backside uh, across the back of his head. And you'll see in the video, it causes the table to break, uh, but more like let's say the leg kind of gives out. Uh, there's a bit of separation and then he ends up hitting. I end up coming down with the second impact onto him, ended up cutting his nose, uh, he may have sustained a concussion. Uh, I think he might have also had a black eye. Um, and yeah, there was there was just blood everywhere. And and to be honest, I was pretty banged up from it too. But you know, a bruised tailbone uh, is minute in comparison to what happened to him there. Uh, so that's something where I was working with a friend of mine. Um, you know, we're going at it tooth and nail. And you know, one thing led to another, and that kind of an unfortunate accident happened. What what I think is great is that credit to his toughness, he got back up we managed to continue the match and get to the end. The match didn't have to be stopped. Uh, you know, as a true professional, the show must go on. Uh, and we managed to take care of what was otherwise a, a, a pretty risky, uncomfortable situation. Uh, other than that, I haven't really had any uh, mishaps with friends of mine. I mean, getting bumps and bruises, wrestling is a physical game. It, it's, it's a violent sport. Uh, I personally like the rough, violent aspect of wrestling. Um, you know, and I played hockey for 15 years. Uh, you know, I'm used to a contact sport. So for me, 
Uh, I don't mind those kinds of things. And I know if it's a friend of mine, I'm not going to take that personally. It's not like, okay, we're settling this in the ring and suddenly now it's going to become uh, an all out, uh, you know, brawl between us and we're trying to take years off of each other's life or, you know, I'm going to see you in the dressing room or in the parking lot. That doesn't really happen with me. Um, I've been fortunate to not be in a situation where I feel like I'm in danger in the ring or someone is trying to take a liberty on me to shorten my career. Uh, But I think that goes with being a professional. And, you know, for the most part, if I sense that, and, and I'll be honest, there have been times I've gone to do matches with people. I've sensed a little hostility. I usually like to work that out before and just say, look, you know, if there's going to be any issues, you know, we just, we can settle that here in the back. We don't need to do that in front of the people who are paying their hard-earned money and expect a certain quality when they see your and my name on the marquee. So I think that's, that's just, you know, we settle these things like gentlemen. And I've been fortunate to not be in there with someone who is uh, unprofessional and trying to inflict harm upon me. You know, I, I don't mind if anyone comes to me with their two fists and says, hey, I don't like you. Let's you know, let's settle this. Okay, not in the ring though. In the ring, we are cooperating and we're doing it for the people. So we got to make sure that the people get their money's worth, not to sacrifice the show for the sake of any personal animosity. Absolutely. And I, I, that's, a, that's a great valid point to make. And obviously, I think we're going to touch on a couple of things right now that I haven't been able to touch on in a while, but I can already see where the conversation is going. And I love it. I feel the energy and I'm excited. I'm prophesizing that this could be one hell of a conversation. You see what I did there? It's a segue, right? Good. I'm good, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I got to ask, um, yep. you kind of come from the old school style of, of, of training. You come from the old school background of learning and something that I don't think is very popular nowadays in the sport, but it was back, say, maybe 15 years ago, possibly even 10 years ago. Something that I learned from the movie Fighting With My Family, which is receipts. And I've talked to a few wrestlers who have said during training sessions or even sometimes in the ring, if somebody kind of botches a move, you give them a receipt. And a receipt is something along the lines of a harder, more physical, say, chop or slap than you normally would because they botched something up. It could potentially cause that injury. Is receipt something that you yourself has experienced or have you ever doled out a receipt from time to time? Well, you know, to, to be on the receiving end of a receipt, that's almost implying that I would have had to botch something, which, you know, if anyone's watched my matches, you know that that doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I had to ask for, I had to be politically correct. Okay? Oh, no, it's, it, it's, it's all good, George, because I appreciate that you said I came from the old school because uh, I don't know if I necessarily came from the old school uh, that much, but I was trained by an old school wrestler. By Jacques that's, sorry, that's what I meant. My apologies. That's what I meant. But no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, we're, we're, we're two friends having a, having a good time here. You know, we were in Canada. You know, there's no, there's no such thing as animosity between citizens. Well, we say I'm sorry a lot, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, I mean, I was taught uh, many things about the wrestling business. I definitely learned a lot. Uh, Jacques wasn't the only person I trained under. I had the opportunity to be mentored and trained by a lot of people throughout my career. Uh, I'm a firm believer that you never stop learning, uh, but I'm also a firm believer that not all of the advice that you're going to get is 100% gospel. So anything I say to, uh, if anyone knows me, I I talk to, let's say, a new wrestler who will come to me for advice, which quite frankly doesn't happen very often, but that's okay. Um, The main thing I'll always say is you need to have a strong filter because you're going to have tons of people telling you that this is the way and what may work for them is not necessarily what works for you. You got to have a strong constitution, a strong moral compass, and know where your lane is. So when it comes to receipts, those kinds of things, that was never taught to me in my initial training. That was never, never brought up that, hey, someone does something to you, you know, or something doesn't go right. You got you to gotta smarten them up. See, I'm a firm believer in if you're in there with somebody, 
they may not work at the same intensity level as you. They may work a little lighter. They may work a little stiffer. So ideally what you want to do is you want to work at their level. So, I mean, if I'm, let's say I'm in there, I'm with someone and I give them a shot, they hit me back harder. Okay. That tells me I got to step it up. So then I'm going to hit them back harder. And if they hit me back at the same intensity or more, okay, that's the level we're comfortable at. So let's raise the intensity. As soon as I feel the intensity drop from my opponent, then I see, okay, we've reached the level of where this match is going to be. And, you know, some of the best matches I've had, like with Speedball Mike Bailey, I mean, we can go in there and we can hit each other a lot harder than maybe we would with other people because we know we can take it. I mean, you know, I've lit him up with chops and clotheslines. He, you know, kicks. We, we, we kick the hell out of each other. You know, it looks like something out of, a, out of a, an Ungback movie. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, I don't want to be a person that's going to go in there and have a reputation of uh, stiffing people and, and that kind of thing. You know, wrestling, people often forget that it's like magic. It's the art of killing the person without actually killing them. So, you know, I want my wrestling to look intense and violent because that's what the people are paying to see. But you don't want to go in there and, you know, hurt somebody who's just trying to put on a show. You don't want someone to, to lose years off of their career because literally every time you step in a ring, every time you even go into practice, something could go wrong. And who knows, that person ends up a quadriplegic because, you know, you slipped on a banana peel or something. So, I mean, we have to be meticulous professionals when we're in there. Um, and, you know, I call myself the harbinger of truth because I always like to bring the reality of wrestling to the attention of the public. And a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize that just like in mixed martial arts or boxing, these kinds of things, there are more injuries that occur in practice than in actual combat. And the same goes for wrestling. There are tons of injuries. People whose careers get stopped don't even get off the ground because they got hurt in practice. So, you know, we got to go in there and say a prayer and make sure that we're professionals with one another so that nothing bad happens. And that's the last thing that you want. You don't want to stop someone from being able to make their living in wrestling because you did something wrong. So I don't know if that answers your question, but as for me, it's like, look, I'm not the guy to go around and be, be, you know, teeing off on people just because they did something wrong. You know, nobody's perfect. So there's no reason to uh, make anyone's day difficult if uh, something doesn't go right. You got to be above that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. I just thought it was an interesting question. I could pose somebody like you and I knew that you were the harbinger of truth. So I knew you would tell me the truth. And that's all we do here on Straight Talk is we're 100% straight up, whether we like it or not, except the only opinion that really matters on the show is mine. <laughs> don't be it man i'm glad to be a guest i'm following your lead and if that's your lane you know I'm, I'm happy to ride as a passenger absolutely absolutely so we're talking about injuries now but this kind of gave a great segue into where exactly i wanted to go um recently uh when this interview drops it'll be sometime in february but in mid-january i had somebody come on the show that was kind of a bucket list interview for me and somebody that we were talking about off camera that helped you a lot in your career and that's TJ Wilson, AKA Tyson Kidd. And the reason why I brought up the receipts conversation was because I knew it would steer to the injury conversation, which we obviously have to talk about that. Here's a dude not even reached his, you know, his peak yet. And his career gets cut short because of an unfortunate incident at a house show. We all know what happened. Samoa Joe muscle buster. It was done wrong. It happened. Only 2% of people walk away from the injury that TJ had, but he walked away, still walking, still training found a way to give back that amazing amount of knowledge he gained from being one of the final graduates of the heart dungeon. Like that's insane. 
But when we were talking off camera, you were telling me how he had such an impact on your career. So talk to me about that and the impact that TJ Wilson had on you. Well, I'll start by saying the wrestling business needs more people like TJ Wilson. Um, my story with him goes back to 2009. Um, when I had done, it was late 2009. So, so far into 2009, you might as well call it 2010 because it was December. Uh, when I had some tryouts with the WWE, went down to FCW in Florida for a week-long tryout. There were 70 people from all around the world. Um, it was the tryout where Jinder Mahal ended up getting signed to his WWE contract. I actually wrestled Jinder. I'd wrestled him before uh, on the Indies. We had wrestled in Ottawa. And I wrestled him in the final match that took place at that same tryout. Uh, and then they awarded him the contract literally minutes after we did that match. And it was a hell of a match. Uh, I always loved working with him. Good guy in and out of the ring. Um, TJ, along with Natty and Harry Smith, came in to be guest evaluators. So we had many different guest evaluators um, throughout the week. We had uh, Mike Rotunda. We had um, Santino Morella. Uh, even Edge was there one day and they were like guest speakers and they watched the match and gave some feedback. Um, I ended up getting to perform in front of TJ, Natty and Harry um, and they loved the match. TJ gave me tons of great feedback and that was kind of the, the start of our relationship. And um, I mean, I even have the critique they, they sent to me afterwards and it's mostly what he said, which was, you know, all positive. He said, you know, you gave us an original match. Um, it was different than all the other ones. You showed good personality. Your cardio was great. I could go on and on. Um, and we even talked a little bit after the match was over. And then a few months later, uh, I would get to do some extra work for Raw and SmackDown in May of 2010. I uh, got to wrestle on SmackDown May 2010 against uh, Kurt Hawkins and Lance Archer. And I, again, got the chance to talk with TJ. And um, if you've seen any other interviews I've done, I get asked a lot about the tryout and my confrontation with John Laurinaitis. And uh, I guess TJ was right around the corner uh, when that took place and he heard he heard everything and then when I would try out again in 2012 uh, TJ was again there and we talked about it and he said he's like yeah you know I used to tell a lot of the guys about how you know you were the one guy who answered Johnny's question that didn't that didn't get broken by it because if you don't know what he said was uh, you know if you think you're so good uh, what would you give yourself on a scale of one to ten and I said well you know I would say I'm about a, an honest eight and he said oh you're an eight you're an eight you know, I'd say Shawn Michaels is an eight. You really think you're an eight if Shawn Michaels is an eight? And TJ would say that, you know, people would, would break, they, they'd backpedal, they, well, I mean, I guess I'm a six then. And then they'd, they'd be like, oh, well, why am I going to hire a six? I want to hire my next champion. I don't want to hire uh, a guy who's going to just, you know, be a six and coast by, you know, and they all break. My answer to that, because I don't know, and it was, I, I don't even know why I answered it. I just answered it because I guess it was the truth. It was what I felt in my heart. It was the first thing that came to my mind is I just looked at him and I said, Actually, if you ask me, I'd say Sean's a 10. And if Sean's a 10, I'm definitely an eight. And it kind of put him on the back pedal. And he didn't know what to say. And TJ said, town after town, they would see people crumble to that question, do the same thing. And I was the only one who stood there with confidence and just spoke my mind. But I mean, that's how I am. I mean, me in those situations backstage, I try to make friends with people. I, I look at it as I don't work there. So, I mean, what's the worst they're going to do? They're going to fire me. You know, I'm just, it's just me being me. And I mean, I guess to a certain extent, maybe I'm oblivious of fear and, and politics and these kinds of things. But my whole thing is my mind is set on, I'm here for a reason. And, um, you know, nobody's going to tell me I don't belong. I'm going to, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be the same me like I am at any other show or at home in my living room. 
Uh, so all that to say, TJ and I had a great talk there and he's always been someone who's uh, been encouraging. And uh, it's really unfortunate what happened to him, uh, especially considering that I feel he was starting to get his stride in WWE. He was coming off of that great run with him and Cesaro. And I'll even tell you this, um, I hosted a radio wrestling show here in Montreal. Uh, we were on TSN radio. I did about 300 episodes, a uh, radio show that me and my co-host, uh, we had started doing it in college and managed to take it from college radio onto TSN radio, something I'm very proud of. Um, we, week after week after week, we would lobby for TJ and we would say, why are they not doing anything good with Tyson Kidd? Why don't they use him in a better role? Here's a guy, you know, so talented, athletic, hard hitting. I mean, no one puts on a hold like Tyson Kidd and makes it mean something, you know, great wrestler and Canadian. But, uh, you know, week after week we would do it. And then finally we saw they started moving him up the card. They gave him some wins over Tensai. They, you know, started putting him with Justin Gabriel and giving that tag team a bit of a push. I think they had a, a Survivor Series where they were, uh, you know, survivors and whatnot. And it was starting to finally, you know, bear its fruits and come to fruition. Um, and then that happened. And it's, it's just, it's really sad and tragic that someone like him, such a good hand, you know, probably never hurt anyone in that ring, never had a boring match or a bad match and ends up in a situation like that. Uh, I think it's really, um, it's really unfortunate. And uh, it's really just, you know, a sobering reminder of how, what we have is precious in this business and it, it can be gone in an instant. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I reflect upon and I say, you know, I don't want my career to end up like that without it amounting to getting to a place where I can have that stage and that spotlight, you know, to be able to, to use it as a platform for good for people. So yeah, definitely TJ, uh, you know, a big inspiration and um, someone who, you know, he's been there for me and I appreciated all the kind words and the feedback he's given me. And maybe hopefully one day I can get him in an interview too. So, Hey, you know, TJ, if you're watching or the people watching straight talk want to tag him and say, Hey, Jeremy Prophet would love to have a word or two with you. I think that uh, it'd make for some entertaining TV. Absolutely. I think it would be a great conversation. It would be you and him having an amazing conversation and Jofo there standing beside you being like, Oh my God, it's TJ. It's TJ. I love TJ. I, I got every profit to my ride. I got to, no, I love Jofo, man. Jofo's my boy. He's been one of the people that have actually, since we hooked up about a year ago, uh, we were always talking back and forth, mm. always, uh, you know, giving each other the props and the stuff. And, and he's somebody that I admire. And I know it's the same way for him with me. And I appreciate the love. And uh, my only drawback is, man, is that you guys are all from Montreal. So you're all Canadians fans, man. I'm a T-Dot boy. I got to rep the league. <laughs> but that's the only beef that we have. That's the only beef that we have is the difference in the love for the hockey teams. Now, well, you know, maybe I was going to say, maybe one day, maybe we could like, uh, we could like meet up halfway, you know, maybe let's say in Kingston or something, you know, we could uh, do a simulcast, you know, once this whole COVID thing goes away and uh, you know, the world goes back to normal again. Absolutely, man. I'll even come down to Montreal. I love Montreal. When I was 18, uh, my parents had enough of me. So they sent me with one of my best friends to Montreal for a week. And let me tell you, when you're 18 in Montreal, the world is your oyster. When you have nothing but money in your pocket, the world is your oyster. I could buy cigarettes, a 40, 
and tobacco pipe tobacco at a convenience store all for under nine bucks it was a beautiful yeah. life it was and it, it was would a probably good be time. under six bucks if you went to the native reserve just a couple of minutes from here yeah i didn't i'm lazy i, I like the big city the bright lights it was honestly montreal was probably one of my my funnest times i was one of my good buddies with a lot of family out there and they treated me like gold so uh props to all the montreal faithful props to all the montreal people and they're going through the same struggles we are in ontario because the numbers for covid are just ridiculous you guys yeah. got the curfew implemented we've got tighter restrictions over here now thankfully i'm an essential worker so i have had the blessings to work continuously through this whole time period which has been great um and that's just the one blessing i uh i, I left one dispatch job because i'm a truck dispatcher by trade i left one dispatch job in the automotive industry and left it for the food industry and i left it literally a year and a half before covid so wow. i'm not saying i prophesied something but i got out while the getting was good you know what i mean 150 <laughs> percent so, it's very rare I get to talk with a fellow prophet, you know, so maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're just as anointed as I am. Who knows? I feel like there's a tag team budding here, but I feel the tag team would be you doing a lot of the work and me running my mouth. That's what I think would happen. That's and I would think because I kind of, I kind of see it the other way around that I'd probably be the mouthpiece and you'd be the worker. I no, 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 I don't have the, uh, the stamina and the uh, capacity to do what you guys do in the ring. I love wrestling. I've loved wrestling since I was a kid. But I will be honest, and I got a lot of flack when I started because I don't look like a typical guy. So I'm a little bit bigger. You know, I got the goofy chain. I've had people make fun of me. They say, oh, what are you, like some white hip-hop, you know, rapper guy who wants to, like, talk wrestling? No, I'm just a fan. I'm a fan who loves the business, and I have an appreciation for the business and a respect for the business. And that's why I've been able to have so many great conversations and make so many great friends because yeah. they see the passion that I have for it. And um it's something that's special. When you have conversations like this, it makes it even more worth it. So Yeah, I mean, that's what's great about wrestling is that wrestling transcends race, creed, color. It doesn't matter if you're, you're black, white, red, yellow. Wrestling is something anyone of any race, of any walk of life, of any income can watch and be entertained by it. And I actually think that that's something that a lot of wrestlers forget uh, is that this is something we're doing for the people. And it's something I want to stress in all my interviews is that, you know, it's one thing to go in there meet your opponent, structure a match and, you know, go out and you do it and you're doing it for yourselves. But no, you're doing it for the people. You're doing it for the person that maybe has to work two jobs to be able to afford to bring their kids to go see that show. You know, you're maybe doing it for that person that has to work overtime to afford to have uh, a WWE network to be able to, to see shows, you know, or to pay for uh, pay-per-views or these other kinds of events. I don't want those people when they see me on a show to ever feel like they got cheated out of their money. I want them to feel like, wow, you know, even if the rest of this show wasn't, wasn't worth watching, that guy and that match, that was something that'll make me want to come back. I felt I got my money's worth there. And, you know, it's something like I say to people, when, when a bad match happens, and like an intentionally bad match, and there'll be someone who, you know, they'll have a bad attitude and they'll say, oh, you know, well, whatever, uh, you know, the people didn't deserve more than that. It's like, no, the people deserve a great match all the time. And if more companies would understand this, that it's so simple, you just got to give the people what they want, then that's how, you know, we'd be able to grow this business and make it into something that was, you know, like what it was in the Attitude Era, where every week people would, you know, want to tell their friend at work at the water cooler, hey, you know, did you see what happened last night? Or, hey, I went to this great show on Saturday. You got to come with me and bring your whole family next time. You know, people forget that what it's like being that fan in the audience. And, you know, I'm someone who's very critical about it, even with the bigger companies that I feel that, you know, as soon as these guys get these big contracts, you know, contracts that I don't have and they have job security and they don't have to worry about paying their rent and then paying their phone bills and all these things anymore, they get soft. 
they lose that, that ruthless aggression that got them there, that chip on their shoulder. And then they start coasting because the money is easy. The visibility is there. The, the fans and the followers go up and, and they lose sight of that hungry person, you know, busting their behind on the indies week in, week out, trying to make it. I think you got to always be that person trying to make it. Once you get there, you got to work 10 times more hard to drive the point home because now you're going into millions of homes worldwide. And I vow that I will be that guy. I know doors will open in my future and I'm never going to stop being this angry person with a chip on their shoulder that wants to go further and further and further. That's, I, I promise myself, I will never lose sight of that and make sure the people always get what they want when my name's on the marquee. 150 fucking percent. There's nothing, anything that you said, I don't agree with. I agree with everything you said to the point where I'm going to step off camera now and you're just going to do the rest of the podcast yourself because there's no point in me talking. No, uh, no, honestly, dude, I, I feel the passion and I think you're 100% right. And I agree with you. There's a lot of times when somebody gets that big contract, they lose sight of who they are. The money's easy. The visibility's easy. And then, you know, fans sit there and go, oh, well, you haven't been doing anything on TV. It's like, yeah, well, I still got a paycheck. So I don't need to be on TV to get that guaranteed paycheck. It's, I tell you, man, the complacency takes hold of these guys and it just becomes so easy for them to coast. And like I said, I, I, maybe I'm just wired differently or maybe it's just because I've been overlooked for so long. But that, that's, you know, that's the kind of pressure that makes diamonds. It's, it's knowing that you got that one shot, you get there, but now you got to remember who you were when you were climbing the ladder, when you were scratching and clawing and giving everything to get there. You know, I'm not here to preach. It, this is just what I live by. This is, you know, I've always said, I'm not, uh, you know, not a big star in wrestling because I'm not good. I mean, I live a superstar's lifestyle. I train, I eat, I practice my craft, I study it. It doesn't matter that I'm not on a big stage with a bright enough spotlight. I haven't been given those opportunities, but I'm not going to treat myself like I'm any lower because I know that that opportunity could come anytime. I'm ready for that opportunity yesterday. And that means staying ready always being ready for that call because you never know when it's going to come and uh always staying hungry once that call does come absolutely it reminds me of the um one of my favorite oscar speeches i'm a big movie guy so my favorite oscar speech of all time matthew mcconaughey where do you see yourself in five years i see me chasing myself down in 10 years where do you see yourself in 10 years i see me chasing myself down in 15 years i'm always chasing me the only yeah. person i see in front of me is me so i look back at that and that's something i put into practice when i started this four years ago I started this with a co-host. We had a great vibe. We were just doing Raw and SmackDown results, that kind of stuff. We were gaining a little bit of traction, but nothing was really happening. And then we started doing the interviews. And what can I say? A natural conversationalist in me took over and I pursued the interviews. Eventually, the co-host and I separated on mutual fantastic terms. And I moved forward with the podcast as a whole. And since I moved forward with it in the last year and a half, it's grown substantially. And I've fought harder. I've pushed harder. I've haven't given up. And the one thing that I can say about this whole thing is I've had one person behind me. That's not me. And that's my wife from day one. My wife has looked at me without a second win. There was times when I got a phone call from Anthony Corelli at seven 30 on a Wednesday. And he was like, Hey, can you meet me at battle arts? So we can do this conversation. I literally had a bite of food in my mouth. My wife looked at me. She brewed some coffee. She threw me my jacket. And she said, why are you still here? And that's, 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 that's my, that's my queen who literally pushes me out the door every day to do this. And then I got my 11 year old daughter who's 10 times more adorable than I am and who kicks ass at interviewing more than I do that. Now I'm just sitting there going, man, what do I got? But then I realized, you know, Jeremy, you know what I realized I got, I got this right here. I'm so fucking adorable myself that I can <laughs> see myself 
you know, being a broadcaster for the WWE. I could be the next JR. All I need is that call. So much like you wanting to yep. stay and earn and be ready for your call when it happens, I'm the same way. I study the business. I respect the business. And I make sure that when I go into every conversation, I'm prepared. It may look natural, but a lot of work goes into this. A lot of research, a lot of late nights sitting there making notes. And you know what the great thing about this conversation is? I have my notes beside me on my phone, but I haven't moved my phone from by my mouse because I haven't needed the notes because it's, I knew the conversation would spin exactly the same way it is. So let me ask you this question. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with Jofo and start doing the whole podcast thing? Was it because of COVID? Was that kind of the way this all started? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say it was because of COVID, but me and Jofo, we go back easily uh, almost 20 years. Um, so you can hear and here we go for 20 years. Uh, I don't think here we go was a thing. Maybe it was, but I mean, Frank Jofo, he, we went to high school together. Uh, he, he, he was, a, yeah, yeah. He was a grade or two older than me. Uh, in oh. fact, the, the man behind the man, you might know him as, as Bruno. You'll hear us talk to him off camera. Um, he and I played hockey together. We went to school together, but we played hockey together, uh, since we were maybe I'd say seven, eight years old. And so these guys were, you know, big wrestling fans. Uh, Frank Jofo actually started his own wrestling league called the LWF. Um, I hope I got that right. It might not have been LWF, but he started his own league back in high school, just with high school people in his grade and put on a show, uh, put on three shows actually, and put on one at the school. And I tried out and didn't make the cut. That's oh, the famous shit. story. <laughs> yeah. Lo, lo and behold, years later, you know, uh, great North wrestling, uh, Canadian champion three times had to get that in there. Um, you know, I got the, uh, also few other championships here you know there's this one there's the iws tag team championships just had to kind of shoehorn that in there at some point you know all this gold all this hardware all the accolades wrestled tons of hall of famers and legends and future legends um but yeah he refused me and uh, <laughs> that's okay i mean look hey not the first person to diss me and i'm probably not going to be the last but with that said um years later they start up the podcast they started up regular jofo and then they started jofo in the ring because Frank Jofo is the biggest wrestling fan they all know. And it's all he, all he does. That's his life. Like he says, wrestling is life. That is Frank Jofo as much as it's Jeremy Prophet. And so they started up the show. I was the first interview. And then it was just a snowball effect. I said, you know, I, I think that we could work together. And it'll give me an opportunity to get some visibility on them. While at the same time getting my message out there. I mean... I want to get a lot of visibility on all of us, especially us here in Canada. And that goes for wrestlers, as well as people like yourself that are wrestling fans that are making a difference in this business that can be something so much more. Because the American scene has always been booming. UK scene, booming. It's time that Canada get its recognition. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, try and say that this is a, a, a benevolent endeavor alone. I mean, you know, I'm doing it for myself as well. I want people to know who I am. I want people to know who Jofo are. Um, but it's something that we deserve. And if we all work together, just like we're doing now, you and I, you know, we can help people take notice of Canada and maybe get more talent to better places than, than, than they are now. Absolutely. I've been repping the Ontario scene here, much like the Montreal scene. There are two scenes I love. I've interviewed a lot of fantastic guys from there. I mean, you, I can add to the list now. Speedball Bailey, I've had him on the show. Uh, you know, Frankie the Beast. I've had Frankie on twice. He is one of my favorite people. Uh, scares me 
uh, swears at me a lot, but I love him. I love him <laughs> like a brother. He is definitely hands down one of my favorite conversations to have. We could shoot the shit for hours on end. And the Ontario scene here, we've got people like Holden Albright, uh, Josh Alexander, who's making waves and impact, Ethan Page, uh, Alexia Nicole. Uh, the list goes on and on. Alessandro Del Bruno, the Ontario scene here, Von Vertigo, Gabriel Fuerza, just the names are coming to me as I'm going. Mm -hmm. The scene here is ridiculous and it's almost painful because I want to keep it to myself. I want to keep it a secret, but that's not fair to any of them. And there are so many great promotions out here that we have. We have Crossbody Pro and Kitchener. Destiny Wrestling in Mississauga, who I'm affiliated with. George the Iceman is a promotional god. The people that he's brought in. You got Greek Town Wrestling in uh, Greek Town, Toronto. You've got Barry Wrestling. You've got Alpha One. The list. And speaking of, speaking of Destiny, and, and uh -huh. I'm glad you said you're affiliated with them. You're probably familiar with the fact that I actually was in a main event, a very important main event of a Destiny show a couple of years back. No, you aware of that? I, I was not aware of it, and I'm sorry. I only got I only got set up with Destiny like three years ago. They've been around for six years now, so I've only came in halfway through. So I had, I had wrestled for Destiny. They did a show up here in Montreal, and uh, I was in the main event against uh, Psycho Mike, as well as a guy that I'm sure everyone watching this knows, uh, a guy by the name of Pete Dunn, who yes, at sir. the time was NXT UK champion. And that was a hell of a match. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you talk to George, I wouldn't mind getting the footage of that if he put it out, or I don't know if he's put it out by now, but uh, I'd love to see that again. Uh, because Pete Dunn was one of my favorite people to wrestle. Um, great guy, great talent in the ring. Um, I wouldn't mind getting to wrestle him again someday. Um, and that match happened in Destiny. And there was a time where I was actually wrestling more in Ontario. And this was a little bit earlier in my career. This was around maybe 2007 to 2009. I was doing a lot more in Ontario than I was here in Quebec. And um, I, I guess it's just a case of, you know, supply and demand and, uh, you know, always looking for something different in another territory when there's, you know, a lot of the same people wrestling each other, you bring in some fresh faces. So there would always be, you know, a carload of us uh, doing some fun weekends, doing, you know, Friday through Sunday, uh, usually going, uh, you know, Oshawa, uh, the GTA, uh, down to maybe St. Catharines on the weekend or Welland. Uh, so, yeah, we, I did a lot of work in Ontario. And actually, the, the, the last match I did before COVID hit, uh, was in Oshawa, Ontario for a promotion called PWE, Pro Wrestling Eclipse. Uh, had an outstanding match with a guy by the name of Tarek, uh, who was just, you know, absolutely fantastic. Tarek and, and the Pillars, um, definitely up there with all the guys that you named and, you know, guys that should be at a better place in wrestling. Unfortunately, you know, here in Canada, they're not looking at us, but I vow that I'm going to make enough noise in all these interviews and all these opportunities you guys give me that someone is going to take notice and I encourage, you know, everyone else to do the same thing. Let's get the word out there about Canada because we got guys here that can be main eventers, hall of famers that aren't getting the opportunity. And if you don't believe me, not you, but I mean, to the people who are watching, if you don't believe me, you know, get out there, see our content, look at these companies, look at companies like destiny, look at companies like IWS up here, like Alpha One, like, like all, all these, the top companies we have here in Canada, not just, you know, Eastern Canada, there, there's great talent out West, there's CWE with, you know, Danny Duggan and, and tons of great guys there. There's out in the Maritimes, you know, you got a guy like Rene Dupree sitting at home, a guy with all the tools that really should be in a major company and unfortunately isn't, you know, I can go from coast to coast. We've got tons of great talent here, totally untapped and, eventually something has got to give and I don't care if I got to take it to the, you know, the, the, the red hearts, the Lance storms, the Chris Jericho's the anyone here who has a connection to Canada who can get us the scouting that we deserve because 
let's face it, that border is a hindrance for all of our talent. We can't even go and try out legally without having to jump through hoops. So we need the scouting here. We need, you know, the generous benefactors to help get us to better places. And eventually someone's going to take notice. Uh, and even if they don't, I'm going to keep on fighting the good fight. Absolutely. I mean, much like NXT, when Triple H took it over, as he said in that first pay-per-view, I remember that because uh, it gave me chills. The spotlight on him and his big old bald head. And he <laughs> said, started off as a whisper. And you made it a growl. Started off as a scream. And you made it a bellow. And he just got that, you know, he just the nostril thing. And I, I don't do a great Triple H, but you no, didn't get what I'm saying. It was pretty good. It sounded like Triple H doing an impression of Batman. No. Oh. So do an impression of Christian Bale's Batman, though, not Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, Christian Bale. Like Christian Bale's Batman from, like, you know, uh, uh, The Dark Knight. We need a white knight. Ugh, scary. Scary, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree with you 150%. And you know what? There was a, there was a lot of whispers when NXT UK started. Because NXT UK, they branched away from NXT to NXT UK. So it was like, well, hold on now. The UK scene, which has been booming for a long time, is getting a spotlight. When when are we going to get NXT North? And there were whispers about it, but I never saw anything come to fruition, most likely because of COVID and their travel restrictions. But I'm hoping when the world gets back to normal that guys like Santino Morella, guys like Jericho, guys that have that kind of streamlined right into the major companies can help us out here because we th this is a scene that as much as we want to keep it to ourselves, I do. I can admit that freely. As much as I want to keep it to myself, I want to share it with the world. And since the day I started this podcast, that was the goal, much like your own, was to rep the Canadian talent, the Ontario indie scene, as much as possible and showcase these guys. And the relationships that I've developed, the people that I've met, the conversations that I've had, the knowledge that I've gained, it's worth more than anything I could have ever imagined in the four years. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I get down, when I think, fuck, it's not, you know, things aren't progressing the way I needed to progress. I'll go back on my show. Like you said, when we, like we talked about off camera, I'll go back on my show and I'll look at the footage. And I'm like, damn, that was a fucking good conversation. Fuck, I forgot we talked about that. Oh yeah, we did speak about that. And then I get myself all hyped up again because that's what wrestling does. It, there's peaks and valleys. It's not perfect. We know this. But the one thing about wrestling is, is it's consistent. There's been so many times in my life where things have been up and down, but the one consistent the one constant was always, for me, wrestling, 150%. Yep. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And, I mean, wrestling will be there for people in their darkest times. Wrestling has saved lives. And that's why I think that, you know, what we have here, it should be shared with the world. As, as, as much of a, you know, well-kept secret as it is, why keep it a secret? Why keep it a secret when maybe there are talents here that could be the people that inspire others to want to do this? That could be the ones that if people would just see them and hear their message, hey, maybe maybe that might save their lives, you know? Maybe that might help take them out of a dark place. You know, the more the merrier. And, and it's not just us. I'm sure there are a lot of other great scenes. My only gripe is that we're so close. I mean, literally, I could, I could drive to, you know, Titan Towers in, in like five and a half hours if I wanted to. We are that close. We're a neighbor. We're, we're all Americans when it comes down to it. And, you know, people will look at me weird when I say that, but it's like, look, we are North America. We may not be part of the United States of America, but we are all Americans. We ain't no different. You cut us, we will bleed the same red blood. So this is why it's unfortunate. We have the border stopping us and people thinking, well, you know, maybe they're just not that good. Maybe that's why they're not getting booked in places. It's like, no, it's a risk. And if you look at anyone who's made it, 
for the most part, they've made it on their merits done in companies in the United States where the visibility is. You know, it's a simple game of connecting the dots. I mean, like, look, if I was born in Stowe, Vermont, or if I was born in uh, Newport, Maine, you know, I, I probably would be, in fact, I, I know for a fact, I'd be in a much better place than I am now based on my skill set. Unfortunately, being Canadian, uh, we're at tree falling in the forest and no one's there to hear it because it really doesn't matter how good you are or what you can do if no one knows who you are. That's why that visibility is so important. And I say, you know, don't go out there and have an inferiority complex and think, as, and this is to wrestlers and, and to wrestling fans here, don't go out there and think that we're not as good as the guys across the pond in the UK or the guys to the South in the US. It's not a case of good or bad. There are great wrestlers. There are bad wrestlers everywhere. We have exceptional talent. We have guys that just have not been given the right stage and have not been given a bright enough spotlight. But if they were to get that opportunity with the camera rolling, they could take this game to a whole nother level. It's just unfortunate. It's not happening. But guys like you and I, we can make sure we give our best every time we're on here and make sure that we get this ball rolling and advance the game to where it needs to be. Just like in, you know, just like in rap and hip hop, you know, it took certain people taking leaps, making noise to be able to get their scene noticed, get their sound out there. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm taking my model from the hip hop game, from guys like 15, who were guys who had to hustle and grind and said, you know what? Take no prisoners, take noise, it's rich or die trying. No one wants to sign me, I'm gonna force their hand. I'm gonna get the people to rally behind and say, you know what, you gotta take notice of this. And eventually I know my benefactor will come. I know my words will not fall on deaf ears. Eventually I will find my Eminem and Dr. Dre that'll say, you know what, this guy needs to be on television. And this guy has a message that can do a lot of good for this business and make a lot of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? The great thing about what we're seeing now, and I'm sure from a wrestler yourself, you can say this, is five years ago, 10 years ago, we would have never talked about cross promotions. There would have been no such thing as the major dudes. All the indie guys have been doing it forever. You've had invasion angles. You've had cross promotions where they all share talent because they know I'm not going to stop this guy from going to five or six different promotions because that's how he's going to make his living. In the Indies, we cross-promote and we use talent all the time and we use it very well. We do it very well. Whether it's north of the border or it's here, we do it very, very well. Now, looking at something like this, and I pose this to you because it's an interesting time to be a fan and to be a wrestler because you have places like AEW and Impact that are working together. Now we know that New Japan is also there in the mix as well. You've got whispers of that happening. You've got whispers of... You know, MLW, they're using guys from Impact. They're using guys from New Japan. There's there's all this mismatch of stuff. And it's incredible. AEW, Brian Pillman Jr. is on MLW tonight. Mm -hmm. And he's an AEW guy. So these are this is quite plausible and it's very, very realistic. So I ask you about this. From a wrestling standpoint, from a fan, let's forget you're, you're a wrestler and you're in the business. From a fan standpoint, is this something you could have imagined five or ten years ago? that companies like that would be cross-promoting as well as they are? I personally don't think it's that hard to believe uh, going back, let's say, five or ten years. I mean, back then, WWE had such a strong monopoly, it almost surprises me it didn't happen that a lot of companies, namely TNA at the time, would maybe decide to partner up with some other companies to say, hey, let's try and take these guys down. You know, when they went head-to-head -head with them, uh, back in 2012 on, uh, on Monday nights, or maybe uh, 2011, pardon me. Um, when they did that, 
something like this could have given them that shot in the arm to say, hey, you know, we're going to take a chunk out of their ratings. Because let's face it, WWE has been a stale product for a long time. Uh, I'm one of the first ones to say it, because quite frankly, I, I don't really care about WWE. Um, not to say I wouldn't want to work there, but it's a case of like, yeah, if they were the only company offering me a deal, of course I'd take it. But it wouldn't be the ideal place I would want to work. So I, I don't mind speaking my mind about what my grievances are of why I wouldn't want to be there. Uh, grievance number one is they put out a stale product for a very, very long time. And I don't think that that's ever going to change until they get some competition that's going to force them to up their game. But when that sort of new Monday Night War started, TNA was primed to take a chunk out of their ratings. It's just that, unfortunately, uh, at the time they did it, WWE played a few of their trump cards. You know, they, they did the let CM Punk do the pipe bomb and have some freedom. They brought back Bret Hart. They, you could just see in how their programming changed that they realized that, you know, this could be the start of something that could be WCW Nitro part two. So um, all that to say, it, would have surprised, it wouldn't have surprised me if at that point we would have seen these crossovers. Um, getting to where we are now, I think it's really cool. I think it's cool for wrestling fans that they get the chance to see people from one show go over to another. Uh, if any TV show were to do that, it would be a big monumentous thing to happen. So why not have it happen in wrestling, especially if both companies can benefit. If Impact's ratings go up because they have Kenny Omega there, then why not do it? You know, you, you, it's, it's a winning proposition. It's, it's in the words of the great Michael Scott from The Office, it's win, win, win. This side wins, that side wins, and the fans win because they get to see it. You know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that the uh, Michael Scott win, win, win conundrum is often something that can apply to wrestling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think you're right. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a diehard impact fan. I promote and rep impact to the fullest. I love them over there. I love what they're doing. And they also have, like I said, some of my closest friends, some of my great, great, great fellow Ontarians, Josh Alexander is one of them. Ethan mm -hmm. Page is another, those guys are making waves. The walking weapon in my eyes is a future impact world champion hands mm -hmm. down. And now that they've split the North, which, you know, sad to see it go for sure. I'm a tag team guy. I know what's coming and what's coming is very, very, very dangerous. And I can't wait for that. It's interesting you, you bring that up because I knew both those guys very early on, I guess, in all of our careers. I mean, I worked with Ethan Page. I think he was one of my first opponents. I wrestled in Ontario in like 2007. Uh, we probably wrestled each other, you know, four times. We wrestled each other to the point where we're probably sick of wrestling each other. Um, and as for Josh, I mean, I was on shows with Josh. I never got the chance to work with him. Um, but I did see him uh, not that long ago, maybe about a year or so ago. At, I came up to IWS here. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's upped his game. He can go with the best of them. And um, I definitely like Impact's product. I know that uh, Impact is a company that has gone through a lot of changes, both in terms of management, in terms of talent. But they still put out a very watchable and enjoyable show. And uh, I think they're doing great business. And I, I like the fact that uh, we got a few Canadians in positions of power there. You know, with Scott Demore and Don Callis, uh, you know, two guys that uh, I think they can they can do a lot of good for the company, and they could do a lot of good for Canadians too. And uh, you know, if we can get a couple more in there, I think it can definitely help to put Impact on another level. Um, yeah, but I, I enjoy watching Impact. I enjoy watching AEW. Uh, I enjoy watching Ring of Honor. I enjoy watching wrestling. Uh, what I don't enjoy is watching a show on Monday nights that uh, is uh, three quarters reruns and replays of what happened last week and stuff that I've already seen 
as if the, the audience is going through the same kind of dementia as the, the, the billionaire man putting pen to paper to write it each week. 150%. Yeah, well, I, I, a lot of people sleep on stuff like ROH and they sleep on Impact. AEW has always been that, as soon as it was announced, it was like, oh, this is going to change everything. And they're not wrong. They have made Wednesdays very, very enjoyable. NXT was always a great product. Now I find the game is up. And even though there's no competition, there's a little bit. Like you said, when it's your friends and your friends are on another brand, you're going to try to bring your game up. Oh, okay. I'm going up against Johnny Gargano, and I got the third spot in AEW. So if they got the third spot in NXT, I got to make sure for the 15 minutes that I'm on, I'm taking eyes off of Gargano when it's on me. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's healthy competition, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's a great time to be a fan. And it's a great time to watch all these great products. And ROH is another company that I'm proud to say I've had a, a very good string of luck getting some amazing talent out of there. And I will say this. I'll put my stamp on it right now, and I think you'll agree with me. Shane Taylor will be the ROH world champion by the time the snow melts. I'll put my <laughs> fucking stamp on it. If Shane Taylor is not rocking gold, ROH may lose me, man, because that dude is 150% ready to helm a company. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I mean, it's, I don't think it's that bold of a prediction. I think that if you're looking at people that haven't had the opportunity to face Rush as of yet, he'd be right at the top of the list. And I, for one, would be interested in seeing that. Uh, you know, I really enjoy Ring of Honor's product. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I work with PCO every Monday. We put out the uh, hashtag PCO Justice series. Uh, and Ring of Honor is a place I could definitely see myself fitting in really well there. Uh, based on the fact that I've worked with a good chunk of their talent already. You know, I've had great battles with guys like Jay Lethal, uh, Matt Taven, uh, Dalton Castle, who, uh, you know, may or may not be with them anymore. Um, you know, PCO, Vincent. Uh, I, I can go on and on about the guys I face there. I mean, when I watch Final Battle, it's just like, oh, yeah, I worked with him. I worked with him. I worked with him. almost every match. There was somebody that I've had banger classic matches with. And so, you know, I think that I, I would fit like a glove over there. And I think that I would bring something a little bit different. Um, so, you know, to you people out there that, uh, follow the hashtag, choose your honor, uh, I'm making a lot of noise on there and, uh, you know, if they want to do some good business and they want someone that can come in there and, uh, you know, stir things up, not just be another body, not just be another person off the Indies here. I ain't no charity case. I'm coming in, I'm coming in to kick ass and take names. And, uh, I, I definitely think that that could be a good, a good home for Jeremy Prophet. but you know, so could any of these other places. So could AEW, so could impact. So could anywhere that wants, uh, you know, someone with uh, my talent and good looks and uh, eloquent words of wisdom to be bestowed upon their viewership. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a free agent that's up for the taken. And uh, I don't think I will be too much longer the more I get the opportunity to talk to people like yourself and get the good word out there. Absolutely. But there's one other company that I think you forgot to mention that I know you would fit in very, very well. Oh, maybe. Three, three, three words. M-L-W. Yes, that's right, MLW. I could see you and Alex Hammerstone tearing the fucking roof off of that place. I could see you and Jacob Fatu killing each other. Yeah. I could see you being interviewed by Alicia Altoot and you walking away with that smoldering intensity and her just being left in the dust like, damn. And there's nothing wrong with that because if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And in my eyes... Jeremy Prophet and MLW makes sense. I just started a new show, a spinoff show. I called the MLW Rewind with my host, my boy, Lewis Carlin. 
Uh, he's from Windsor. I'm from Brampton. So I'm better than he is just because of where we are logistically. And, um, <laughs> but we do it every week and we've had the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to sit down with already a few great guys. We have Myron Reed coming up on the show. We also had uh, Richard Holiday. I mean, most marketable. That guy is a fucking genius on the mic and there is great potential there. And I think you, with your looks, your styles, your charisma, you mesh very well in the MLW roster. And I know Court Bowers pay attention because he's followed my tweets. He's liked a few of my posts. So Court Bauer, if you're watching this, because it's going to drop sometime in and around before or after Valentine's Day, show my man, Jeremy Prophet, a little love. Give him a call. Hit him up on Twitter. It's not that hard. I hit him up. So let, let's talk about MLW here because right, let's do it. You know, I, I can't I can't beat around the bush with, uh, with with stuff that don't make sense to me. I see what MLW's been doing. I've seen them gain a lot of traction. I've seen them make a lot of a lot of bold claims, and they've backed up just about all of them. And to answer your question, yeah, I do think I could fit really well into MLW. I even started putting a few messages here and there on some of the uh, posts that they've been putting up talking about new talent on all these things. And one of the things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way was I got some of my posts taken down. And so I was just saying, Hey, MLW, we might be a good fit. Hey, MLW, you know, just waiting for you guys to get back to me. I wasn't really aggressive about it. I was kind of having fun with it. Uh, you know, I know a couple guys there. I had Tom Lawler come down, uh, work a show for me. Hell of a great guy. Totally respect what he's done in mixed martial arts, which if anyone knows, I'm a huge mixed martial arts fan. You can you can see me, uh, you know, going back and forth with my man Patrick Cote here when he's doing the uh, the French broadcast of the fight with uh, GSP. And, uh, you know, so I know a couple guys there and stuff. And, uh, you know, my posts magically disappeared. Um, why, why did that happen? That I don't know. But... Uh, all that to say, you know, yeah, I do think I'd fit in well there, but you know, something is, uh, some, something is, something is up is all I'll say. Another thing I'll say is this, correct me if I'm wrong, cause you know, their company better than I do. Do they have even one Canadian on the MLW roster? Other than Alicia Altoot, I believe the answer is no. Okay. And, and she, she's from where in Canada? Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill. And does she still live in Canada? She does. So she okay. does, she does the, the, she goes over there. They film a couple episodes in advance, obviously because of COVID, the restrictions, I got to mm -hmm. get it done and crunk them out. And then she comes back. She quarantines for the two weeks. Okay. You know, that's good because I was going to vote for her in that little feud that she had going on with Selena De La Renta because Selena also said she followed me back and she didn't. So I'm on Alicia Atut's side. Um, with that said, I mean, look, Hey, they need more Canadians. So maybe they're not hiring Canadians. I don't know. But yeah, I'd be willing to work for them. I'd be willing to work for any company that is going to put the papers in my hands to be able to go and perform over there. Hell, you know, I've, I've, I've made a decent dollar in the world. You know, I'm not asking for a lot of money. Negotiations would not be too hard. I'm just looking for a platform to spread my message and to show my ability. You know, like I said, I'm a main event talent. I'm not just saying that to, to compensate like a lot of people do. I don't got to call myself a five-tool player or say I'm good at everything because uh, for the most part, guys who say that kind of thing, they don't deliver. But look at anyone in Canada. Look at, look at anyone in this business. Find me who else brings the same skill set at the same level to the table that I do. Who can talk the talk, walk the walk, go in there and fight anybody. Pretty much, I haven't met that person. And if you know people want to leave comments on this, Tell me who that person is, because 
I'll want to get them on an interview and find out what their secret sauce is and what makes them so good. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to be aggressive about it. I'm just confident in my own abilities that I've refined over 15 years in doing this business, 15 years, injury-free, concussion-free in the prime of my life, just waiting for that opportunity to come knocking. So, you know, like I always say, don't leave money on the table because you leave money on the table, someone's going to come and scoop it up. So if MLW is that company, hey, you want the money, I'll make you money. Fantastic. And I don't disagree with everything you're saying. And this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. And I want to leave it on that note. And I know down the line, you and I are going to sit down for another part two, because I think it's going to be absolutely epic. But I had a fantastic time. I hope you did as well. I had a wonderful time. I look at this as being a stepping stone to greater things. The next time we sit down to do this, we'll both be in better places in this wonderful business of professional wrestling. I appreciate the love and I know we will 150% for sure. So Jeremy, before I let you go, if anyone is stupid enough, stupid enough not to be following the profit, where can they find you on the wonderful world of social media? Well, I can tell you based on that, there's a lot of stupid people in the world because uh, there should be a lot more people following me. So I'm not a hard guy to find. I'm a lot more approachable than I come across in these videos. Like you said, you shot me a message. I got back to you right away because I love doing this. I love being in front of the camera and I love getting my message out there and getting to talk to people like me who are wrestling fans and who love this business. So you can follow me. Twitter is probably the best way at Jeremy Prophet, J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-R-O-P-H-E-T on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Prophet. And, you know, if you want to try to find me on Facebook, you can do that too. You can look for my fan page because my real page, I think maybe only has about maybe 10 or 20 more spaces if you want to be my friend. I wish I could be friends with everybody. Unfortunately, space is running out, but I do have a fan page. So just look up Jeremy Prophet. And most importantly, you can see me almost every week on Jofo in the Ring. So look for Jofo in the Ring. You'll find me. You'll see me talking to other wrestlers, talking to other wrestling fans people who love this business and uh you know i just want to immerse myself in wrestling as much as possible i live eat breathe and sleep this and it's something that's been good to me and i intend on be just being just as good back to it and uh on that note i will throw it back to you george not before saying thank you ever so much for having me on uh i feel blessed to have had the opportunity to come on here and i know when we'll be speaking again it'll be with both of us in much better places in this business that we love so much. 150%. And cause I'm a glutton for self-promotion. I'm easy to find too. And I'm approachable. I always answer everybody back. And if I don't, I always make sure I click a heart and then I go back and respond later, but at underscore straight talk on Twitter, straight talk wrestling on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can follow me on my personal page, request a friendship. I do try to get back to everyone as fast as possible, but I got a family. I got two beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife. And if I don't take care of them, they're going to leave me. This is just straight truth, straight mm -hmm. truth. But as always, I'm your host, your boy, Jerry Prophet. It has been an honor, sir. I'm glad to have you on the show. And now I'm even more glad to call you a friend. Likewise. All right, buddy, you, so you take care. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And we're going to talk very soon. As always, guys, don't forget to follow the socials. To find out who's going to be next week's guest. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.